0: turn with me if, if you will to the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 31 1 Samuel 31 and then we're going to read four verses there and then we're going to go to the very next chapter is the first chapter of 2 Samuel we're going to read a few verses there remember to be in the prayer room before service tonight i'm actually In uh, in a lot of ways preaching a two-part message Going to uh, deal with the death of Saul this morning And then tonight I believe God's got a word for somebody That's trying to overcome issues in their past Amen, I feel like God's going to speak through the story of the end of Saul's life To give somebody new life, isn't that awesome? Amen. 1 Samuel 31, 1 through 4, if you found it, say amen. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down, slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchisua Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul. And the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me but his armor bearer would not for he was sore afraid therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it that's a that's a pretty rough four verses for Saul isn't it he was sore wounded by an arrow from an archer of the Philistines And then he fell upon his own sword. 2 Samuel 1 and 5. And David said unto the young man that told him, How knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan his son be dead? And the young man that told him said, As I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa, Behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and the horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee upon me, and slay me. For anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. And I took the crown that was upon his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them hither unto my Lord. A Philistine, an Israelite, and an Amalekite. All three wounding Saul and causing him to die. I want to preach for a little while this morning how to kill a king. How to kill a king? Lord, I pray for your anointing to use me this morning to preach your word. God, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost would move in this place. God, we've had a busy week, a tiring week. Our bodies are fatigued, but our spirits need you to touch. Them. And God, I believe that you're going to reach for somebody in this place. God, I believe that, Lord, that you're going to touch somebody's soul. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint me, help me, God, to be used by you. Confirm your word with signs following in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 Give a Lord a praise this morning. Oh, Lord, I praise your name. God, I worship you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. This particular time in history is one of the most tragic of all. His children are being overcome by the Philistine army. The chariots of the Philistines are rumbling through the sacred land of Israel One by one, soldiers are falling by the sword, by the spear, and by arrow. Moment by moment, one soldier after another perishes. Their warm blood soaking the hot dust of the Mediterranean ground. It's a sad day in the history of God's people. Rebellion against God had gotten them to this point. Their champion, their king Saul had been an open rebellion against God. Against God's word and now, if you will, the chickens have come home to roost. The sad ending of a once promising life is quickly to be written. A man who was head and shoulders above all The man of Israel is soon to die. His life's light grows dimmer by the passing moments. King Saul is dying on a battlefield and Israel is being overrun by God's enemies. That Saul has died is not a question there's no doubt that in short order the skeleton the bones of Saul are going to hang on the walls of the city of Bethshan as a trophy to the enemies of God there is however some question of who actually killed Saul it is the intrigue that surrounds Saul's death that became the seed of legends by campfires and the fireplaces and homes of Israel. The fact is that there was no one individual solely responsible for the death of Saul. He was the victim of multiple wounds. Saul's three sons died on the battlefield as the honorable Jonathan the friend of David and his brothers died honorably in battle. And while the sons of Saul are dying, the Bible says in First Samuel 31 and 3, and the battle went sore against Saul. And the archers hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. A nameless Philistine archer finds his way into history for wounding the king of Israel. The Bible said he was sore wounded, a painful and terrible wound, a serious wound that Saul is convinced that he cannot survive. But the wound of the Philistine archer did not kill Saul by itself. Saul, knowing he was badly wounded and painful, he knows that soon the Philistines will overrun his position. He knows that if they get a hold of him, that they will surely kill him. But dying was not the worst part for Saul. He said... They'll kill me, but they'll abuse me. They won't just kill me outright. They're going to try to make me suffer before they kill me. And so he looks to his servant and says, Finish me off before the enemy has a chance to torture me and abuse me. But the servant says, I I can't do that. The Bible said he was so afraid. He had too much fear of God to kill his king. And so, because the servant won't, Saul props his sword on the ground. And the Bible said he fell on his own sword using his own body weight to make the sword thrust him through an attempt at suicide to keep himself from being tortured by his enemy. And now the king of Israel lays bleeding not from one wound, but two. Not just an arrow wound, but an arrow and a self-inflicted sword wound. And yet this mighty man, this man that's head and shoulders above all the men of Israel, he does not die easily. Bleeding from an arrow wound and bleeding from a sword wound. Saul lays in the, in the ground and he knows that he's about to die. And now not only does he know the enemy's coming after him, but he's dealing with the terrible pain from these two wounds that each in time probably would have been fatal. But he didn't want it, he didn't want to lay in the ground and die painfully and slowly. And he didn't want to take the chance that maybe he might still be alive when the Philistines find him and begin to abuse him. And so he sees, the Bible said he looked behind him in an attempt to see how close the enemy was. And he sees a man, and this man in telling his story to David, the Bible said he just happened by Gilboa. I don't know how. You can just happen by a battle that's raging. I don't know how you just casually walk out on a battlefield and just act like you accidentally found your way there. This man more than likely was somehow conscripted by the enemy and was catching up to Saul. But nonetheless, regardless, the man's story is, I happened by Gilboa and I just happened to walk up on Saul. And when I saw that he was wounded, he called to me and he asked me if he would to stand upon his body and to slay him. And so the Amalekite did as Saul requested and Saul finally dies there on that day. The question of who killed Saul can be answered really in three ways. A Philistine arrow, a Philistine killed Saul. Saul killed Saul. And an Amalekite killed Saul. But no one of them did it by themselves, but rather the three, each of them playing a role in the death of King Saul. Amen. I'd like to look at these three assassins, if you will, and see how maybe this story can apply to our lives for that's my task as a pastor to take an ancient story and make it relative to those of us that are here right now these first enemies the Philistines were the lifelong sworn enemies of Israel they hated God's people the Philistine archer had positioned himself like a sniper to kill Saul His entire life and training were all designed to come to battle against the people of God. From the time he was a little baby, he had been raised to hate God's people and to hate the God of Israel. As a child, he had been taught to war and to battle. And as he went through adolescence and his teen years and finally was able to join the army, his entire life had been spent learning how to kill a child of God. And now, here he is on an ancient battlefield with his, with his arrow drawn and the fletching ready to soar through the air. The, t- the string is taut and the bow is bent. And when Saul is in his sights, he lets that fateful arrow go. And as that arrow pierces... Through the air, it finds its mark in the body of Saul. Amen. And this entire life's training came to bear to wound the king of Israel. May I tell you today that it was not a surprise that the Philistine tried to kill Saul. For that is the heart of a Philistine. Philistines hate God's people. And may I tell you today that every single one of us has an enemy in this place today. An enemy that has spent years and centuries and all of time waiting to kill every child of God. There's an enemy of every one of you and all of us in this place. This enemy hates us more than he hates anything else. This enemy hates the church of Jesus Christ. This enemy has no conscience. He doesn't care how many families he tears apart. He doesn't care how many lives that he ruins. Uh, He doesn't care how many mothers cry themselves to sleep worrying about their children. Uh, He doesn't care how many children cry themselves to sleep wondering where their mom or dad is. This enemy has no moral values, no compassion on anybody. And has no regard for anyone. He salivates at the thought of destroying a child of God. May I tell every one of you this morning that you have a mark on you. You have a bull's eye on you. And hell would like to destroy your eternal soul. Amen. We call this enemy the devil. He is known as Satan or Lucifer. And may I tell you that he hates everything about the church and everything about the children of god he is a friend to no one he is an ally to nobody the devil hates you and wants to destroy you he is an eternal mortal enemy that will never be satisfied as long as you're living for god Amen. He'll never be satisfied. As long as there's one little bit inside of you that has a heart to worship, he'll not be satisfied until he snuffs out that flame. As long as in the back of your mind there's a thought, I'd like to be saved. I'd like to live for God. The devil will stop at nothing to destroy you. The devil hates repentance. The devil hates baptism in Jesus' name. The devil hates the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Amen. The enemy hates holiness, and he hates righteousness, and he hates faithfulness, and he hates prayer, and he hates worship and he hates praise. The enemy hates it when you clap your hands in worship to God. It bothers him that you clap for God and not for him. When you raise your hands to worship God, it bothers him that you would submit to the spirit but not submit to him. When you give your body in praise, it bothers him that you're not doing it on a dance floor or in an arena somewhere. Amen, the enemy hates it when you obey the church standard, uh, when you live for God. He hates it when you operate in unity and you forgive somebody of their trespass. He hates your family, your marriage, your children. uh, He hates young people, he hates children. uh, He hates elders and he hates middle-aged people. He hates it when you come to church and he hates it when you wave your hands uh, and he hates it when you clap your hands and he hates it when you stand to your feet and yell amen, he hates it when you leap for joy and you worship God and you praise God he's an enemy of hate he hates your soul he hates your salvation he hates your relationship with God he hates you, but I've got news for the devil, I hate the devil too amen and if he hates it when I worship that I'm going to worship anyway. If he hates it when I shout, I'm going to shout anyway. If he hates it when I come to church, I'm coming every time I can. I'm tired of people being intimidated by the devil. Amen. I'm going to throw that out there again. I said I'm tired of people being intimidated by the devil. You are not some sick, anemic, frail church. You are a blood bought spirit-filled, Jesus-named, fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled church. And you've got authority over the devils in your life. The best the devil can do is convince you to destroy yourself. devil and his demons send arrows against the people of God. The Philistine archer could not kill Saul by himself. And the devil can't destroy your walk with God by himself. Amen. You have a defense against hell's archers. Ephesians 6 and 16 above all taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able. Amen. Woo, I like that. Oh, okay. Above all. Taking the shield of faith. Wherewith ye shall be able. Man, I'm going to write that phrase down. Ye shall be able. I just put... Three exclamation marks. You shall be able. When you walk out of this sanctuary today, there should not be a doubt in your mind that you can overcome the enemy. When you walk out of here, you ought to not have a doubt that you can overcome addiction. You can overcome depression. You can overcome anxiety. You can overcome fear. You can overcome anything the devil sends against you. You shall be able. Somebody ought to just give God praise right now. You're able to overcome whatever the devil throws at you. You shall be able. Oh, hallelujah. I wish somebody that feels weak and worthless would throw your hand in the air and say, God, I shall be able. If there's anybody here today and you've been questioning, can I make it? Can I survive? Can I make it through my trial? Can I keep my family together? Can I keep my sanity? Can I live for God? Can I keep off of drugs? Can I keep myself out of the bar room? You shall be able. Can I raise my kids to love God? You shall be able. Can I make it through this world? You shall be able. I'm trying to infuse faith in somebody today. You can make it. Look at somebody, give my high five and tell them you can make it. Come on, look, turn around and look at somebody and tell them you can make it. You can overcome. You can overcome whatever the devil slings at you. Hallelujah. The prophet Isaiah said there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. The Bible said you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Every arrow he slings at you, if you walk in faith, you can overcome it. Amen. There is no weapon formed against us that can prosper. I'm not going to let the devil assassinate my soul. He may inflict a wound from time to time, but I refuse to let him destroy me. The devil trembles. You hear what I'm saying? The devil trembles at the truth of one God. You want to know why so many churches are powerless against hell? Because they don't have a revelation of one God in Jesus Christ. But the Bible said that the devil trembles. When you believe there's one God, the devil trembles. He's trying his best to get you to forget that you've got authority and power over all the power of the enemy. I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to give somebody a faith transfusion today and let you know whatever comes your way, you can make it. You shall be able. Amen. I want you, I want you to point at yourself and you need to tell yourself, you shall be able. God, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you folks to leave today and feel like the enemy has any authority over your life. If you're born again, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got power over all the power of hell. You just got to walk in your authority, you got to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. You ought to lift your head up right now and say, I am not going down. I am not going to be defeated. I am not going to be overcome. I can make it. Hallelujah. Oh, lift your hands to heaven right now. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Some folks have been letting the devil's arrows get to them. They want to give up. You need to get some fight in you today and determine I refuse to let the devil assassinate my soul. I'm not going to let some Philistine demonic spirit try to get a hold of my heart and make me give up and quit. I'm not going to let it affect me to the point to where I throw my hands up and say, "What's the use. I'm going to come out of this place. Whatever you're going through, you can come out of it in victory. I'm not telling you everything's going to work out exactly how you want it, but you're going to make it. You're going to survive it. You're going to get through it. Amen. We can't control what other people do, but you can control what you do. And you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to make it. You shall be able. Oh, I, I want to move on, but I think we just need to let the Holy Ghost do a work here right now. Oh Yeah, you ought to reach over and lay your hand on somebody close to you and say, God, help them to know that they can make it. Help them to know that they're able to overcome. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray all over this place. Hallelujah. I feel the, I got more preaching to do, but I feel something right now. God's trying to give somebody the courage to face their struggle the courage to face their trial God's trying to put faith in somebody to know one way or the other I'm going to be able to quench the fiery darts, the arrows of the enemy you can make it you can make it, you can make it, you can make it oh come on, let's, let's just pray for a minute more It's easy for people on the mountaintop to get what I'm preaching right away. But when you're struggling and you're trying to wonder, God, is this really for me? That's the people I'm reaching for. That's why I'm pressing just a little bit more. We're trying to break some strongholds in people's lives right now. I refuse to let a Philistine archer, destroy me. Saul's second assassin was himself. Saul was so wounded by the enemy that he convinced himself he couldn't make it. Man, I feel like I'm preaching to somebody right now. They were so wounded by the archer. He was so wounded by the archer that he had convinced himself, there's no way I can survive. There's no way I can get through this. It hurts too bad. It's too painful. It's too bloody. There's no way I can survive this. And so Saul convinced himself that he had no hope. And once he convinced himself that he had no hope, he begins the process of self-destruction. If I can't survive it anyway, then what's it matter what I do to myself? So Saul took a sword and fell upon it, trying to destroy himself. In his mind, he's trying to end the pain sooner. But all he does is multiply the suffering. It's a true statement that most of our terrible wounds are self inflicted. I hate the devil. But the devil's not my worst enemy. My worst enemy is the man that stares back at me when I look in the mirror. Self is my biggest enemy. Every mistake I ever made, the devil didn't make me do it. I made a decision to do it. Every sin I've ever committed in my life, the devil didn't force my hand or push me. I yielded my will and allowed myself to do it. Self is the biggest enemy. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm preaching to you, but I'm using me. And I figured me using me would make you say amen more. My worst enemy is myself. I don't battle with the devil as much as I battle with my flesh. Praise God. Amen. It was more fun when we were blaming Philistines, wasn't it? But when I'm the Philistine, I got a problem. I don't mind saying amen when we're blaming the devil, but I got a problem when I have to say amen when it's me that I know is in the crosshair. One of Saul's worst assassins was himself. At some point, I got to get my flesh under subjection to the spirit, and I got to make myself live for God even when I'm not on an emotional high, when it's not camp meeting after camp meeting and conference all summer long, when there's nobody around but me, myself, and I, and i got to make a decision. I'm going to live for you, God. I'm going to serve you. Let me tell you, there are some things that you're just going to have to settle in your life and get over it. Amen. You can't keep having to convince yourself to get off drugs you have to settle the issue and say i'm done with it and i'm walking away and every time you get tempted you got to look at yourself and say no i'm not going to do that every time you're tempted to get lazy on coming to church And stay at home. You need to get that flesh up off the sofa and get yourself in the car and get yourself to church. I'm preaching to you that should have been here today and you're sitting at home. You should be here right now. You gotta discipline yourself. You gotta make yourself be faithful. You gotta make yourself. Look, look, I'm I'm gonna tell you right. I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm sore. We had camp all week. I'm not used to shouting every night of the week and then getting up yesterday and working and, and, and raising timbers and junk like that. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm hurting. I'm, my body's tired. But I made a decision this morning that I'm not going to yield myself to fatigue. I'm not going to yield myself to soreness. God deserves my worship regardless of what I feel like. At some point, you got to settle some issues and move beyond it. If the devil knows he can talk you out of worship, he'll give you a reason every time you come to church. You just got to settle some stuff. Praise God. Come on. Amen. You just got to settle some things. As long as you make provision for the flesh, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, folks. That's why you need a pastor, because an evangelist won't get into some of this stuff. That's why you need a pastor that will come back and he'll say, look, your problem's not the devil. You are the devil. That's the devil to you. You gotta overcome the things in your life that give you an excuse not to do what you know God wants you to do. Stare at me all you want, but I know I'm preaching right now. 99% of some of your problem is you're spiritually lazy. I'm not preaching to everybody right now, but I'm preaching to the ones that you know you should be further along than you are. But you keep assassinating yourself every time you get ready to get saved and go on. You fall on your own sword again. You do it on Wednesday. Am I doing all right? Amen. Devin, I thank you. I asked him if I was doing all right, and he said I was. Because I'm preaching the truth to you. Sometime in life, you just have to discipline yourself. Look, if you get a a job and you don't show up, you're not going to keep your job. You can blame the boss. You can blame the company. You can blame everybody else. But it's not their fault that you didn't get up. It's your fault that you didn't get up and go to work. So when you don't have money for a new gun and a new four-wheeler and a new car and you don't have money for all that, it's nobody else's fault but yours because you didn't get up and go to work. Well, spiritually, if you don't have everything you want from God, it's not the devil's fault. You've got to discipline yourself. You could have been in the prayer room this morning. You could have been at camp meeting every night. Y'all know I'm cuddly I might be preaching a little mean right now But I'm a big old cuddly teddy bear You know that I'm going to tell you when this afternoon rolls around It gets to be about 6 o'clock And you start thinking man I ought to be in prayer I ought to be at the prayer room I ought to be at the prayer room Getting myself ready for what God wants to do But it's the 8th inning And I sure would like to be able to see that last couple innings Well I sure got to get up early in the morning And go to work I mean, if you're not going to get up and come to church for prayer at 6, then go to bed at 6 o'clock. Don't be a hypocrite and blame it on work in the morning. Am I okay? Anybody over here think I'm preaching the truth right now? How about y'all? Come on, I'm not trying to be as smart as what I'm trying to say is at some point you got to quit being your own devil. you got to quit fighting yourself. You do too much of the devil's work for him. If the devil's going to get you, at least make him try. Oh, God. You're going to have to settle some things. At some point, you're going to have to settle holiness issues and be done with it. Two steps forward, a step back. Two steps forward, three steps back. You never get to your destiny because you keep yourself in range of a lack of self-discipline. Your flesh is trying to assassinate your spirit you got to understand, look, I can't legislate to everybody what you do from day to day. I'm not going to follow you around and say, do that, don't do that, do that, don't do that. you got to get it in your heart. God, I want to be right with you, and I want to serve you. And anything that helps me get closer to you, I want it. And anything that might get in the way, I want to eject that out of my life. I don't need those people. I don't need that stuff. Come on, somebody say amen. You know I'm preaching the truth. It's a matter of settling some issues in your life. I gotta be saved. I gotta be saved. I gotta go to heaven. I can't keep falling. I can't keep messing around and killing myself. Gotta settle some issues because if you're not careful, your flesh will assassinate your spirit. You'll fall on your own sword. You'll blame it on preachers. You'll blame it on church people. You'll blame it on your spouse. You'll blame it on this, on that. But in the end, it's going to be you made a decision to allow things into your life, and those things have killed your faith. It's a self inflicted wound that assassinates the soul. And I can't blame the devil for it when I do it. Hallelujah. Y'all be glad to know I just skipped. All of page 11. Self-inflicted wounds. Some of us are just afflicted by being carnally minded. There's a difference between being worldly and being carnal. Being worldly means that you have things from the world that you picked up and you're doing. Being carnal is just the lack of being spiritually minded. Being flesh driven. It's not so much that I'm doing things that the Bible says I shouldn't do. But I'm more concerned with things of this life than I am things of the spirit. Being carnal is not always doing things that you shouldn't do. But it's not doing things that we should. It's being, it's, it's. Being carnal is not is being not motivated, not active in the spirit. More interested in things that aren't spiritual. And so being carnally minded, the Bible said, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If being spiritually minded is life and peace. Man, I want peace. I don't want chaos in my life all the time. I don't want chaos in my family all the time. I don't want my life being turned upside down every time I turn around. I want peace. Well, if I want peace, then i got to be spiritually minded. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. I want to go to a verse. That I, I, I texted him. I texted him, right? Uh, right before I got up to preach to get them to, to look up Isaiah 58, 1 and 2. And, and I just want to touch on this, and I want to I want to move on from it. Isaiah 58, 1 and 2, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Wow, sounds like God's mad, doesn't it? That word cry aloud, it actually means to cry from the throat. It's not just like lip service, it's like... I don't know how to define that, but you know what I mean by it, right? He said, you got to, he said, he told the prophet, he said, you, you, you cry loud, you spare not. You don't worry about who you offend. You just preach. You lift up your voice like a trumpet and you show people their transgression, the house of Jacob, their sins. Now look at verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. That's, that's weird, isn't it? That he's telling the prophet, you got to tell them their sin and transgression, and yet every day they seek me. They delight to know my ways. Notice this phrase: "As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God." He said they are acting like everything is okay. They're acting like there's no problem. They just they come to church and they act like everything is perfect. They seek me, they delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They ask me to do right. They take delight in approaching God. He said, here's the problem with this particular group of people. Is they're so concerned with looking like everything's okay. As a nation that did righteousness. They're so concerned with trying to look like everything's all right that when they come in my presence, they don't let me help them become what I want them to be. They live like everything's okay, but everything's not okay. Can I tell some people today that if you need God to touch you today, I wouldn't care what anybody in this building thought about me. I wouldn't try to act like I had it all together. I wouldn't try to act like my life's perfect. I wouldn't try to act like I'm on the mountaintop. If I'm fighting the devil, then I don't care what anybody, I'm not going to act like everything's okay. That was his problem with Israel. They're acting like a righteous nation. They're acting like everything's okay. But here they are. They need me, but they're so concerned with what people think that they're not even willing to come and let me work on them like I need to. I'm going to tell you, if you need God today, I wouldn't care what anybody thought. I'd run to an altar and I'd say, God, I need you. I know I'm trying to act like everything's okay, but it's not okay. I need you to help me, God. Don't assassinate your own soul. i got to hurry. The third assassin of Saul was an Amalekite who happened upon Gilboa. The problem with the Amalekite was he wasn't supposed to be there. In 1 Samuel 15, a full 16 and a half chapters earlier, the Lord said to Saul, go smite Amalek. Utterly destroy all that they have. Spare them not. Slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass, everything. Don't leave any of the Amalekite alive at all. You see, Amalek the progenitor of the Amalekites. Amalek was a grandson of Esau. Esau was consumed by bitterness and hatred for Jacob, Israel. He hated Jacob because of the matter of the birthright and the blessing. He was so consumed with hatred for Israel that he passed it on to his children and grandchildren. And it goes, it plays out in the Old Testament for a full 1600 years. The legacy of bitterness and hatred that went from generation to generation to generation. And God told Saul, we got to cut, we got to stop the cycle of hatred and bitterness. We've got to end this cycle of bitterness. Finally, we've got to end it. And Saul refuses to. And because Saul let the Amalekites live, he was killed by an Amalekite. May I give you a fair warning today that what you let remain in your life that God wants you to get rid of will eventually destroy you. What you harbor in your heart long term will eventually drag you down if you don't get it taken care of. Saul, you should have done You should have done what God said. You should have obeyed what God, you should have got rid of the Amalekites and if you would have, there wouldn't have been one to come by and kill you. But because you didn't take care of something that you let linger now that what you let linger destroyed you, Saul. As your eyes are closed all over this place this morning, three assassins of the soul. It was the Philistine. It was himself. And it was something he should have killed a long time ago. You have a devil that's fighting you. But you've got authority over him. You need to take authority over self. Self. And at some point, you've got to get rid of things that you've let live in your life. Pastor, I'm just not ready to give that up. Well, someday it'll kill you. How to kill a king. That's what the enemy's trying to do is destroy people. Oh, God, I feel the presence of the Lord here. Can we spend a moment in our seats praying right now? I'm going to have you stand in a moment, but can we pray right now? Come on, if you're dealing with something, don't, don't act like everything's okay. We're not going to ask you for a confession. We're not, going to make you, we're not going to make you sign a confession. I heard one time about a preacher put signs in the churchyard and what people have done. We're not going to do that. That's silly. But what I'm asking you is there. Anything that you are afraid of could somehow damage your soul. If there is, you ought to be bringing it to an altar right now. If there is, you ought to come to an altar and not care what anybody thinks, not worry about what anybody says. If there's an issue you haven't settled, you ought to bring it to an altar there's something that you should have slain a long time ago but you've let it linger, you let it live, you ought to bring it to the altar right now. Tonight we're going to talk about getting over it and going forward but right now I just want us to spend some time. Somebody ought to be baptized in Jesus' name today. Somebody, that you, there, there's a step that if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you ought to do that because that is the gateway. You got to repent and be baptized, and then you got a promise of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh God, I don't want anything to destroy that kingly spiritual nature that you want me to have. Come on, we ought to be praying all over this place. There's no way that I believe that there's about of the congregation that I've preached to and not the rest of the 95. I know it's a struggle sometimes to bring it to an altar. But you got to bring yourself to the altar. Don't let the Saul inside of you destroy the man that God's called you to be. Don't let the Saul inside of you keep you from reaching your destiny and becoming what God wants you to be. Don't let things that you should have destroyed a long time ago keep you from becoming the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be. Oh God, I don't want the devil to destroy me and I don't want to destroy myself and I don't want to be destroyed by something that I should bring to the altar today. Just know for surety that if you let an Amalekite live, it's going to follow you. Saul looked and saw what was coming behind him and he saw an Amalekite. What you let live will follow you until eventually it gets the chance to destroy you. It'll follow you through your marriage. It'll follow you through your work life. It'll follow you as you age. It'll follow you. If you don't handle it as a teenager, you'll deal with it in your 20s. If you don't deal with it in your 20s, you'll still be fighting it in your 30s. If you don't fight it in your 30s, you'll still be dealing with it in your 40s and 50s. It'll follow you. That Amalekite followed Saul on the battlefield until it got the chance to kill him. Oh, I don't want to be followed by something that I should have killed at the altar on this Sunday morning. Come on, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to, it's time to seek the face of God. Maybe you don't feel like you've got anything to pray about. Well, since you're, why don't you just come and help somebody else pray since you ain't got something to pray for yourself. Why don't you come and help one of these folks that have come and said, God, there's some things I need to get right. There's some things I need to deal with. Why don't you put your hand on the back or the shoulder of a brother or sister and let them know I'm with you. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. You're not on your own. Come on, be spiritually aware. Be led by the Spirit. Let the Holy Ghost work here. Let your heart heart and mind be led by the Holy Ghost to strengthen somebody. Be aware, be aware somebody came to the altar, that's them saying, God, I need you today. I need your help. Don't make them stand there by themselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, every preacher ought to have their hand on somebody praying for them. God, I need you, Lord Jesus. Jesus might be just a simple saying I'm here with you I'm praying for you I'm with you I'm on your side I'm here to help I'm here to pray with you you're not alone be able. You can make it. You shall be able. You can survive it. You shall be able. You can have victory. You shall be able. Thank God for victory today. Hallelujah. You shall be able to overcome. You shall be able to have victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, God, for causing us to triumph. Thank you, Lord, for victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh. I need you for my family. I need you for my life. I need you for my soul. God, I need you. Oh, yes, Lord, I need you. Come on, this is time for the body to minister to one another. God, I need your help and strength. Yabaye Oh, come on! That's right. The Lord's working here.
1: hands all over this room and begin to surrender to God many times we lift our hands in worship but right now let's lift our hands and surrender to God and begin to give him everything add to those hands lifted a word of faith a word of action and say Lord I give everything to you right now I surrender to you right now God for the Bible says that if we submit unto God and resist the devil, he shall flee from us. And Lord, I surrender to you, and I submit unto you, and I resist the enemy. I come against him today in the name of the Lord. For I have I've submitted unto God, therefore I have authority over the enemy. I command the enemy to flee in the name of Jesus. And Lord, the fact that I've submitted unto you means i put my flesh under subjection. I died to myself. I crucified my flesh. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, I give you everything. I allow you to live in me. I surrender my life. I submit everything to you, Jesus. I even put my past on the altar. I cut it off. I cut off every sin. I cut off everything that that I've allowed to live in my life. I command it to be out of my life. I will not go back. I surrender, Jesus. Yes, Oh, I surrender, Jesus. I give you everything, Jesus. Yeah, let that flow in the room. Let that flow in the room. As you give it to God, God will come and give you fresh anointing. As you surrender to God, God will come and pour out fresh anointing on you and pour out his glory on you. But you've got to give it up so that you can have space for Him to fill right now. Come on, surrender everything. 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 If you're worried about letting it go, let it go. God will take care of it. God will take care of you. You've got to trust him. You've got to put your life in his hands right now. all the Amalekites and all of the, the animals and everything that pertained to them I kill it all, everything everything even if it doesn't look bad to me I kill it, I put it on the altar If the Lord's telling me to give it up And I want to give you one more one more chance right now if you want to be baptized in Jesus name right now is the time to do it the Bible says now is the day of salvation the Bible says now is the day of salvation not tonight now not next week but now while conviction is in the room, while the Holy Ghost is moving, while the Word of God is fresh, now is the time to make the action. Whatever it is, if, if it's baptism, if it's repentance, if it's, you need the Holy Ghost, if you need it delivered from an addiction or, or depression or whatever it may be, right now. Everybody say now. Not tomorrow. Right now. Can we lift our hands one more time? Father, we give you everything we believe your word we receive your word and lord we put your word into action right now we're not waiting we're not going to go home and think about it we're not going to wait until some convenient time comes because that time will never come god but we do it right now we surrender right now we give you everything right now jesus god i am yours right now not when i get some things out of the way not when i get time to take care of some things right now jesus Right now, Jesus, I give you everything. I belong to you. I will never be the same from this day forward because I'm putting this word into action. I rebuke the devil out of my life. I crucify this flesh. I give myself to you. And I cut off everything out of my life that doesn't belong. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I want you to lift your hands in worship unto the Lord. And lift your voices in worship unto the Lord. Thank Him and praise Him for victory. Thank Him and praise Him for liberty. You're free today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, worship Him right now. Worship Him because you know it's done worship him and make the devil mad because you know it's done worship him and in the devil's face and say I know the devil, I know that God's done it, that the devil's out of my life I know the devil doesn't have victory that God has the victory I know it, I know it I'm going to worship God come on worship him one more time give him a hand clap of praise and add to that a voice of triumph right now hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus you heard the man of god we have prayer at six o'clock tonight i invite everybody to come to the prayer room tonight at six o'clock and let's have great church starting at six thirty. you may be dismissed today in the name of the lord